0: The following program contains views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the host DJ and their guests and are not reflective of the views of WRFL or its underwriters. For questions, comments, or concerns, please email programming at WRFL.fm.
1: Good evening and welcome to Campus Voices, a program where we take a look at what's going on in the Lexington and UK campus communities. I'm your host, Sarah Simon-Patches, and today we're discussing the return of Fayette County schools amidst the coronavirus pandemic. The Fayette County School District is the second largest in the state and has 78 public schools with 43,000 students. The school district returned for the 2020 school year via online instruction beginning on Wednesday, August 26th. Currently, Fayette County has a COVID-19 incidence rate of 26.7% which is enough to be deemed critical by the Kentucky government. According to the Kentucky government's COVID-19 numbers, Fayette County does not have the highest incident rate in the state and other counties that meet the critical criteria have school district populations of no more than 8,000 students. WRFL reporter Connor Duvey has more information about the Fayette County rising COVID rates.
2: With hopes of going back to in-person classes, Fayette County schools have been working intimately with Lexington-Fayette County Health Department to monitor the spread of COVID-19 cases. According to Lexington-Fayette County Health Department, as of Tuesday, September 29, there were 423 cases in kids ages 5 to 14 years old and 1,405 cases for kids 15 to 19 years old. Reports from the Kentucky Department for Public Health reported on September 29th that Fayette County had an average of 24.8 new cases for every 100,000 residents. However, the data presented by the Lexington-Fayette County Health Department reports that the actual number of new cases per 100,000 residents was 22.3. A spokesperson for the health department says miscalculations like that have been prevalent throughout the pandemic, but that they are constantly working to provide the public with accurate information. Reporting for WRFL Radio, I'm Connor Duke.
1: Tonight, we are going to hear from Fayette County Schools Board of Education member, Tyler Murphy. Tyler has been a member of the Fayette County Board of Education since 2019 and is set to serve until 2022. Before assuming the role on the board, Tyler was a teacher of history and civics since 2012. Also joining us tonight is marriage and family therapist, Kayla Smith. Kayla graduated from the University of Campbellsville with a major in marriage and family therapy and a minor in psychology. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Uh, First question for Tyler. um, Is the COVID data that we just heard about the reasons why classes will remain online for the time being?
0: Uh, Yes, Sarah, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, We are uh, closely uh, following and monitoring uh, the public health realities in our community. And so that's going to be informed by the data that was just cited, the data and conversations we're having with local public health officials and the State Department of Public Health. Um, so you know, we, we have to be uh, responsive to what's going on in the community um, and monitoring community spread and transmission. And those uh, considerations are guiding the decisions that we've been making.
1: Thank you. Um, Kayla, for you, um how do you think that this extension of online learning will affect students mentally
3: hi sarah thank you again for having me um so as it comes to just therapy with students in their cognitive behavioral learning I just think that transitioning to online development, is, there's a lot of factors that are going to play in this. And I think the biggest one that comes to my mind are the families that may be of lower income. So you look at the household and you see parents that may be working out of home and a child is expected to be at home and learning on their own, challenging themselves on, the, uh, on their own, as well as the knowledge that um trends of abuse actually in lower income families are much higher. So you're taking the student out of an environment where they might be in a place that's safer, a better place to be learning, and a better place where they are able to obtain educational, you know, necessary things that are gonna help them grow in their educational, but also cognitive behavioral health wise. So I just think that transitioning online is going to be very difficult for the majority of students um, considering the majority of students may not have families that are equipped to prepare themselves for this change.
1: All right, thank you both. Um, next, we're going to be taking a look at how constantly being at home can affect these adolescent children. Um, according to the Center for Developing Adolescent, adolescence is a period of time characterized by heightened sensitivity to social stimuli and the increased need for peer interaction. With global mandates being implemented that prevent face-to-face social interaction to slow the spread of COVID-19, students are being deprived of this necessary social interaction that in-person school provides. This lack of peer influence and peer acceptance can have far-reaching consequences for students that are of such a young age. However, the decrease in adolescent face-to-face contact could be less detrimental due to widespread access to digital forms of social interaction. Fayette County schools have worked to ensure that all students within their district have access to the internet, whether that be by giving them a Chromebook or providing internet hotspots. However, due to the national shortage of Chromebooks, the district has not been able to give this opportunity to every student. An order for 10,000 Chromebooks was placed by the district in late August, but due to a backlog, they have not yet received the laptops. Some students have been taking part in non-traditional instruction online, And the rest of the students have been picking up worksheets from schools in order to complete their work. WRFL reporter Olivia Mopen has more information on the social and mental aspects that the school system must take into account before determining an in-person return date.
4: According to Axios-Ipsos polls, seven out of every ten American parents have concerns that reopening schools this fall is too risky. After taking a closer look at the effects that this situation has on kids, Wiley Online Library reports that schools are one of the most important institutions that address children's mental health needs and in some areas such as rural regions schools are the only venue where children's mental health services are offered. The article also stated that over 17 percent of children ages two to eight years have a diagnosed mental behavioral or developmental disorder and these rates are higher for children living below the poverty level. With the added stress of the pandemic these rates will likely go up. For WRFL Radio, I'm Olivia Moffin.
1: Um So Tyler, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the how it was determined who would receive a Chromebook and who would not receive a Chromebook?
0: Well, our goal as a Board of Education was to ensure that a Chromebook was in the hand of every child in our uh, district. and, and Fortunately, you know, there there are a whole host of concerns involved that the board uh, definitely needs to address uh, with, you know, supply chain issues and just some planning considerations uh, where we didn't begin the school year with enough Chromebooks uh, to meet that goal. Um, So then that forced the district to kind of do a needs assessment and see, okay, uh, where are our most critical needs? What uh, resources do we have? currently in our schools and our facilities that can accommodate these needs and where can we fill in the gaps? Um, So we started looking at our um, high schools and middle schools to see which students have their own devices that they could use and that would allow us to shuffle around some district devices. And we prioritized uh, elementary uh, students and um, students who were in some of our uh, vulnerable and most at risk categories to make sure that they got these resources first as we awaited some of these uh, backordered supplies to come in.
1: And um, what kinds of things did, I guess the district suggest as an alternative while these students are waiting for Chromebooks?
0: Uh, Much of that was facilitated at the school level. And I know some of our educators uh, worked Uh, Collaboratively with their school leadership teams to do some supplemental work in the form of packets similar to some of the NTI work uh, that was done back in the spring as kind of a stopgap measure um, and uh, making sure that we could facilitate learning in some way even if it wasn't uh, electronically uh, in those early days as we waited for some of these supplies.
1: Great, thank you. Um Kayla, do you feel like students will be less likely to seek uh, mental or social help um, in a home setting as compared to school?
3: Yes, I definitely think so. And there's a few factors that would play into that as well. I think that during the adolescent age, what's happening cognitively in the brain is that they're learning how to figure out who they are. They're seeing their peers around them and they're figuring out, okay, what is different for me? What's different for my family? What is, What are all the factors that make me who I am? And then with that, that's how children begin to grow and work into the next stage of growth in their life. So when you take away that social learning environment, you are really taking away a lot of what that child is trying to develop in their life. And so um, I say all that to say, when a child, doesn't see another environment that is outside of their own they don't know what a quote-unquote normal environment looks like and if a child doesn't recognize that their normacy is different from another then they have nothing to compare it to so why would a child ask for help when they don't know that anything is wrong in their situation and typically um you know your teachers your principals your your guidance counselors and a lot of times You know, it's the teachers that are seeing the children, it's the peers that are reaching out and talking to teachers about what's happening. And you take that away. And why would a child reach out? Why would they feel that they need help? And so also taking those people out, that could be a safe place that is really decreasing a child's ability to even get help, especially if their family environment is not encouraging that process.
1: Is there anything that um, parents can do to kind of stimulate a school environment or make it feel like a little bit more normal? I guess in some cases, that's not possible. Like you said, it kind of removes that school environment. But in cases where it's possible for parents to do something, would you recommend any any type of stimuli? yeah it's it's pretty difficult, you know,
3: because what we're seeing is isolation um from peers, so that is the biggest and the scariest factor, especially with adolescents because that's what they're seeing like that is their major source of growth during that time and ability to function well. so for parents, I think what's important is just being able to really hone in on that social factor. So whether that is, you know, prioritizing your, your child to be able to get on Zoom with friends or whether it is some outside activity where they're able to actually be with other children, that's so important because um, you're teaching your child how to interact with other people outside of your family union. So the more that a parent can take their child out of their natural environment, and you are you're right now with this generation, we're seeing a lot of increase in anxiety and depression because children are so on their phones, they're doing these things where they feel that they're connected, but they're not. So the more that a parent can connect a child, you know, virtually or face to face with children and kind of take away and remove the phone stimuli, I think that that is going to be able to improve their cognitive functioning and their ability to feel connected with someone else. So I think definitely just being aware and working to limit the use of social medias and of online platforms, while also finding ways to connect them with other students, whether that's Zoom calls, or like I said, activities, sports, it could look like anything, but just a way to get them really connected real life with other students and other peers.
1: Great, thank you. Um, Psychologist and associate professor at Eastern Kentucky University, Dr. Dan Floral, said that he believes whether or not a student will seek mental health remotely depends on their home circumstances. Some students may feel relieved by the idea of not going to school in person, while others may feel depressed or anxious because they have to stay at home. In an Axios IPSIS poll taken between July 10th and July 13th of this year, about 71% of the parents polled thought, there, thought that there was a large risk to sending their children back to school. An article following this poll said parents all across the nation have expressed concern about sending their children back to in person instruction amidst the pandemic. A local parent, Andrea Bellhoff, was very overwhelmed when the initial transition occurred to go remote last spring. Still, the fear of returning to in-person instruction is very prevalent. However, Bellhoff said the implementation of synchronous class sessions has come as a major relief to her, taking the teaching material out of her hands and giving it back to educators. WRFL reporter Julia Price describes one parent's experience with NTI learning.
5: Fayette County schools have been taking part in non-traditional instruction since April 6th of 2020 parent of two Fayette County School students, Andrea Bellhoff, says that this school system has come a long way from the setup that was put in place in late March.
2: I think it's definitely better
5: this semester for my now second grader compared to like the spring semester of his first grade year in just having the live teaching. Otherwise, I felt like I was having to learn how to be the teacher. Bellhoff says that online, real time instruction has been a huge relief, especially since she still fears the idea of sending her kids back to school in the middle of a pandemic. As long as the technology works, it's a lot more streamlined. I feel like, you know, as best as we can be doing and not exposing everybody to the virus in person right now. After Bellhoff's daughter had a broken Chromebook experience, James Lane Allen Elementary School, located in Fayette County, was able to replace the Chromebook within hours of being informed. Bellhoff says that even with the national Chromebook shortage, Fayette County has done a great job at addressing the issues that come along with these laptops. I feel like given the circumstances and the time they've had to, to plan for through the summer for this, that it has improved a lot for most people especially those who've gotten the Chromebooks, books. Bellhoff says that she believes Fayette County schools have been very vocal and attentive toward the needs of their children and the parents during these unprecedented times. For WRFL Radio, I'm Julia Price.
1: Um, okay, Tyler, was there a countywide decision made on how to handle online coursework or was it more of an individual teacher preference?
0: It was a a school by school decision and the in in consultation ideally with teachers right, and this is one of the things that i've been emphasizing the points that have been raised. Our educators, are the experts and they know our students and our families, the best so our, our encouragement is for schools to design this in collaboration and partnership with our educators.
1: Um, Kayla, do you feel like children notice when the stress is alleviated from their parents by the educators being more involved?
3: So I definitely think so. Um, Because children are surrounded by their parents consistently, they can tell when there's a change, they can tell when their parents are stressed, when they're angry, when they're sad, regardless if they're trying to hide that. Um, So I definitely think that they can tell when it's alleviated. And I can like almost bet that they can tell when it's heightened as well so I think that that is very important and I also want to say that the things that teachers have to do right now it's very difficult and I think that we all just need to focus on figuring out a way to bridge the gap especially with um, the online learning what's happening in the homes and ways to better just teach and equip the teachers on how to deal with these things because they're unfamiliar as well. And so working with teachers and parents to alleviate that stress is gonna be vital for the children's overall anxiety that we've seen arise
1: in as well. Thank you. As the nation has seen a total change in how the world works, children in their adolescent stage of life are having to become adaptable with changing circumstances. Psychologist and assistant professor at Eastern Kentucky University, Dr. Dan Floral says that most children are going to reciprocate the atmosphere of their home lives. He added that students who have yet to attend in-person school instruction will have a different response upon return that will not be predictable. Um, Tyler, due to your past profession as a teacher, what do you think are the advantages to each of these learning styles?
0: Well, learning has to be very much individualized and um, that is key and that's why so much of learning and education is about relationships Uh, and so to the point of engaging educators again they're the experts they're the ones that know our students the best Um, they understand what works with them a lot of times in elementary uh, school settings especially uh, we have uh, children that are are going to forge relationships special relationships with uh, educators over time so that is key and flexibility is key and this is a time when we're all being more flexible than what we're typically used to. Um, But it's flexibility, not just in planning and implementation, but also in instructional design and an instructional model that may work in an in-person setting for a particular student may not work in a virtual setting. And so our educators are are factoring all of those into their decision-making, which is why we have to support them both in letting them kind of, uh, make these decisions, but also provide them the support and resources uh, to, to carry them out and implement them.
1: Thank you. Um, with students adapting to two completely different learning styles, their performance in the classroom upon return could vary based on which style they were given to use. Students using an online virtual learning program will have been in a mirrored classroom setting for months. According to Susan Patrick, president and CEO of the Aurora Institute, Formerly the International Association for K-12 Online Learning said asynchronous communications like emails and text messages can be useful for teachers setting deadlines, offering instructions, or even launching a discussion question. This form of learning can provide students with ownership of their learning, but accountability of these students to complete all this work on their own can waver. However, synchronous communication works better for brainstorming or more spontaneous conversations giving the effect of being in an actual classroom setting. Upon return, the difference between the two types of students will be reevaluated. evaluated WR, WRFL reporter Olivia Maupin discusses the difficulties that may occur in response to each learning style.
4: The national Chromebook shortage has left roughly 8,000 students without one, which presents a noticeable learning style difference for those without. The students that are required to transport themselves to the school to obtain the papers could face imposing factors that the other students with the Chromebooks do not have to concern themselves with. With the kids who have the Chromebooks, it is vital that they have a stable connection to an internet source as well as knowledge on how to operate the technology. With these two aspects in place, we will look into if the two learning styles will be able to coexist equally from an instructional standpoint. For WRFL Radio, I'm Olivia Maupin.
1: Hey, um, Kayla, do you think that the transition from at-home instruction back to in-person instruction will have an emotional effect on these children?
3: Yes, and I think that any transition is going to have an impact on the children. So I would like to start from there. Whenever you are changing an environment, changing an expectation, and changing a routine for anyone, whether it's an adult or a child, it's going to cause stress. So emotionally, they're starting from beginning something completely new, adjusting to it, and now we're flipping it again. And now they have to readjust to everything. And the stress that would happen for them is going to naturally be very hard and emotionally difficult and you I mean you think of kids that are starting their brand new eighth grade year or their freshman year or they're just now hitting middle school you know they're excited for those things you take that away and any amount of excitement is kind of gone and then it's like okay get excited again but also we have to learn all these regulations and the new things so emotionally it's going to be difficult for them but they can adjust to it
1: uh, Tyler, have any parents expressed concern directly to the board, or have they been angry with how you guys have handled this situation? And if so, how have you and the board responded to these concerns?
0: Well, this is—if this wasn't radio, I'd show you my email inbox. Um, obviously, there are strong feelings on both sides, uh, but I think ultimately we all want the same goal. We want what's best for our, ch- our children in this community. And we have to balance the safety considerations, the health and safety considerations with all of the social emotional well-being that, that we've discussed. And that's why we've tried to make sure that we've expanded resources from uh, mental health professionals to family resources and youth service centers, looking at some ways that we can get creative with uh, pods and the use of our facilities, uh, especially providing support for students who need um, the additional uh, special education services. So Um, There are strong emotions on on all sides of this and um, that's understandable. And I've, as a board member, have tried to be transparent and open to my communication and solicit feedback. I think folks just want communication. Uh, Frankly, that's an area where we definitely can and need to improve. And for me as a board member, I need a plan. I I have to see a plan that uh, moves us forward in a way that's safe, responsible and sensible that, that, guarantees the safety of our children and our staff but also addresses um, some of these real educational social and emotional needs needs that we're discussing
1: thank you both although the coronavirus has been around since mid-march it is still fairly new to health professionals who are continuing to study it spokesperson for the lexington fayette county health department kevin hall says the virus is very similar to the common flu However, it does also cause a loss in taste and smell which sets it apart from other viruses. Hall also says that people who have any reason to have concern of having the virus should immediately get tested and take the CDC provided guidelines in their handling of the diagnosis. WRFL reporter Julia Price discusses how students feel about returning to in-person instruction.
5: According to Kentucky Cabinet for Health and Family Services, as of September 23rd, there have been 185 all-time positive cases within the Fayette County School District. 171 of these cases have come from students and 14 have come from staff members. High school senior Hannah Clark agrees with the school board, saying that these numbers may be too risky for an in-person return right now.
1: I would like to be enjoying my senior year and joining in all the fun activities I know seniors get to do. But also can't complain about the school system taking my safety as well as my family's into consideration.
5: Students share the same hesitancy of returning to in-person classes as the school board due to the possibility of infecting loved ones.
1: My grandmother lives with us and is considered to be high risk from the coronavirus. Obviously, I am thinking about her whenever I have to go out and do anything that may put me at risk.
5: High school senior Justin Oldham agrees with Clark that his family safety comes first and the schools are doing all that they know to do during these uncertain times. This is new territory. I get they're doing the best they know to do. The Fayette County Board of Education decided an in-person return date would not be determined until after the month of October. Schools will continue with the NTI platform until sometime in November. For WRFL Radio, I'm Julia Price.
1: Thank you for joining us this evening. We hope the comments and research presented from our experts have enlightened you on the precautions and the data the school systems are experiencing during this pandemic. We would like to thank our guests Tyler Murphy and Kayla Smith. Join us next week as we discuss discuss the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm Sarah Simon Patches and you're listening to WRFL 88.1 FM.